0: This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. How much do you know about personal finance? Things like KiwiSaver or getting a home loan. If the answer is, mm, I don't actually know that much, then check out this next program, Finance Made Easy. Is a podcast series based on workshops held at Plains FM that explore everything from debt consolidation to buying your first home. Elise Vine is a financial advisor from Building on Basics who loves to chat about personal finance. This episode explores buying a house.
1: Hi, my name's Elise Vine from Building on Basics and I'm here to talk about tonight's topic on finance made easy of buying a house. So um, welcome. So I'm on the financial services um, provider database. I'm a financial advisor. I specialise in uh, mortgage and lending, but I'm also authorised to do life and health um, personal risk insurance. So the information is given during this workshop is for information and education purposes and only and is not specific advice. To find out information about me and Building On Basics, go to our website www.buildingonbasics.co.nz and look at the important info and it talks about how I'm paid, the services we provide and um, complaints process or all the important things that you need to know about my company. So tonight's topic, buying a house. I've been told I've got a time limit of close to an hour possibly under is better for the podcast but I could talk about this topic for three days um, pausing for breath occasionally. There's so much to know about buying a house and buying a house or buying an investment property um, or buying your own home there's a whole different range of factors that you need to think about and consider. So the purpose That we're going to go through today, and what we're going to skim across the top of as many of the different topics and and, uh, aspects of buying a house as possible so that you can understand the way it works in New Zealand. So, what does it take to buy a house? Is one of the things we're going to talk about. Who do you need on your team? Why do I even need a team to buy a house? I can go to the bank, I can buy, get the money, I can. Take a look at the place and get it. I can call the insurance company and get the insurance. Already I'm possibly talking about things that you didn't know you needed to do to buy a house. Okay, House finance. So getting finance for a house is a co- topic in its own right. And we're going to talk about that in uh, in a couple of workshops time. And that will be also up on the Plains FM website when, when we've got that done. Checking out a house. Now, the technical term that they use or phrase is doing due diligence. But in our easy to understand language, we're going to check out the house and everything that could affect the house and your enjoyment of the property. Preparing to buy a house. So there's a whole lot of things that you need to do before you even think about buying a house. So what does it take to buy a house? Um, so what we're going to need is a team. So we need people to help us to find the house and to help us do the due diligence or to check the property out, okay? And there's at least seven people that we need to help us through this process. Some of these things we can do ourselves and some of them we need the um, uh, specialists to provide us that uh, information or to, to help us with the activities that are involved, okay? Okay. Finance to purchase the house. Finance to purchase the house means the deposit. So, uh, and the deposit can consist of KiwiSaver if you're eligible to use your KiwiSaver. Uh, And um, also, even if you're using KiwiSaver as the deposit, the banks want you to have 5% of your own savings in there outside of KiwiSaver. Okay, so KiwiSaver, unless you're self-employed, the um, when you're putting money into kiwi saver it's coming out of your pay without you having any involvement so while yes you are saving but it's not you managing those savings so they want to see that you can actually manage your own money and still save okay so in the last two almost three years interest rates have been going down so as um, people's loans have been coming off fixed rates, the interest rates have been lower. So they've been able to either pay more off their mortgage or they've been able to save some money to do some things on their house or have a holiday or more money for spending. But we're now on a stage where the interest rates are starting to go up. So what the bank wants to know is that you can manage your money if the interest rates go up and your loan is costing you more that you can still afford your loan. Okay. they want um, You need to get a, a mortgage because unless you've won lotto or inherited a lot of money, um, the chances of you paying cash for, for the house is very limited. Okay, so, um, And we need an income to service the loan. So what they're looking for there is to make sure that you've got enough income coming in to pay for the mortgage, pay for the insurance, the rates, maintaining the property... Oh, hang on. How about eating, getting yourself to work, transport, looking after your health, looking after your children, education costs, and all the other things that are involved with living? Because once you buy the house, life does not stop. I hope. (laughs) All right. So you need finance and you need extra money when you own a house. So if you're paying rent, uh, who pays for the maintenance if the um, gate stops working? The landlord, okay. Who does the um, uh, if there's a uh, the tap stops working and it starts leaking? Who pays for that? Landlord. Okay. We're going to be our own landlord if we are the owner occupier of the property, right? So, we have to pay for all of those things, and we need to make sure that we have enough income and money to be able to pay for those things. Things like um, if the hot water cylinder bursts or no longer works, um, how cheap do you think that is? Mm-hmm. Between two and three thousand dollars, depending on the size of the cylinder that you're doing. Okay, and then depending on the damage it's done, whether it's a, a, an insurance claim for the damage to repair. The water and what that's done. Okay. When you own a property there are some costs that the landlord's taking care of that you may not know about, things called rates. If you own a, a purchase an apartment or a, a, a townhouse there may be body corporate fees okay. and that's going to depend on the type of title of the house that you, you buy. Then there are the one-off costs when you buy a house what's the first thing you want to do move in (laughs) so you have to get from your existing home into your new place and that may um, that may cost some money depending on how much how much um, property or gear you have and uh, furniture to shift or you might be able to um, you know put it all on a trailer but you may need to hire the trailer Uh, it may just be even the extra fuel costs to cover the costs for moving from one street to another the shortest move I've ever had is um, moving next door. When um, Mum and Dad built a house, and then they built another one next door because the other one was not right. Um, so we wanted, they wanted another one, so they built another house next door, and we moved next door. It was the biggest move, putting everything into boxes. We couldn't quite get a chute between the houses to move everything. Um, insurance. There's property insurance. So this is the money for um, making sure that the, the house um, gets flooded, if it burns down, if there's an earthquake, um, that the house can be rebuilt so that you still own the asset. Okay? If you don't have insurance and you're self-insured and um, the bank may withdraw the funding, okay? so it's important that we have the property insurance. They won't release the, the money unless they can see that you have the property insurance in place. And if they find out that you have um, cancelled the insurance, they can cancel the loan and you may have to repay it. If you don't have the spare 300000 in your back pocket to pay it back, they may force you to sell the property. Okay. If you get behind in your rates, they may force you to sell the property. Personal risk insurance. So if something happens to you and um, you die, then um, the debt still exists. So we need to make sure that the, the debt can be repaid so the rest of your family can continue to live in the house. Or we need to pay down enough so that the family can continue to afford to stay in the house. Worse than that, and worse than dying, is being incapacitated. So you are not able, something happens, you get knocked off your bike, you get concussion and a head injury, and you're no longer able to do the job that you were doing. So you're still alive, you still need somewhere to live, um, but you're no longer able on the on the salary that you were on, and so you can no longer meet your, your payments, and on top of that you might have increased healthcare costs because you need to be rehabilitation so that you can recover. So... Property insurance and personal risk insurance are pretty key when you are buying a house. Okay, let's imagine that we've got some of those things all sorted out and we're we're going to talk more about them at the finance workshop. But how do we choose a house? First of all, we're going to have that big wish list on our vision board. You know, how many bedrooms do we want? How many bathrooms do we want? Do we want a separate toilet so that if somebody's in the shower, you can still use the toilet? What are the things that are important to us? Okay. Do we want indoor-outdoor living? Do we have somebody that's got a disability that can't work with stairs? Do we need a flat section and easy access? What are the, the things that we want in the stream house? Where do we want it? Do we want it to be... In the inner city living, or do we want to be rural Do we, uh, and have a lifestyle block? Do we want the Kiwi dream of a quarter acre section with the house and the lawns to mow and the garden to, to look after every weekend? Or are we going to be busy away every weekend? So a little townhouse with very small section, with bark chips so you don't actually have to do much. What is it that we want um, for the house? Where is it? In terms of what school district are you in? Which sort of school are your kids going to go to? Uh, is the is schooling even important um, because your children have grown up and, and left home? Um, do you need it to be close to transport because you don't drive, or um, it, it, you want to make easy access for biking and that sort of thing? So being in Rickerton is a little bit hazardous for biking, but you know um, there's a lot of um, uh, of other areas of Christchurch and around round the country that are great for biking do you want it easy walking distance for shops and uh, medical centers um, you know what is it what are, what are the the things or facilities that you want to be close to okay this is all very well in terms of having that wish list but then we've got to match up our finance to match with that wish list so if we want the inner city apartment and um, we want to be close to you know all the shows and and um, town facilities and the shops, uh, the library and, and all the other wonderful things within the city. Um, but we can't afford the uh, the mortgage or the rates or the body corporate fees on the property that may be out of out of our question, okay, uh, out of our possibility. So. Matching these things up, it becomes quite a complicated little jigsaw. So, first of all, you want to know how much can I borrow? Uh, I need to know what you're looking for so that we can figure out whether it's going to match and whether it's actually even time for you to start to have that conversation. So, one of the things that you're going to need is team. So, in New Zealand, Kiwis are great at, um, you know, we can read about this and we can do it ourselves. Yeah. So the whole DIY attitude is, is very strong within the, the Kiwi culture. <clears throat> but there's some things that we need help with. There, we can't be across all the different properties and know every property that's there for sale. We can use Trade Me and realestate.co.nz, but when it comes to actually working with properties and that sort of thing, we're going to need real, to work with real estate agents to help us negotiate the property. Okay. We can't do it without real estate agents' help uh, unless we're doing a private sale. And even then, we can't do it without the lawyer helping us with a private sale because we're going to need somebody that has the um, property knowledge to put in the do the sale and purchase agreement and put in the clauses to help us protect ourselves to make sure we know what we're buying and that we can afford it and can pay for it and are not going to get, get ourselves into trouble. Okay. We need to work with a financial advisor, somebody like myself. Although I don't do general risk, we need. Some, uh, I recommend that we use financial advisors for getting our property and contents insurance. We can ring up you know, all the, um, the state insurance and we can get it organized ourselves, but not all policies are created equal. So by that I mean that some companies have better policy wording than others. What do I mean by that? If something happens to your house, Vero might pay out for it, Ando might pay out for it, but state insurance may not. The process that you go through to actually get the insurance company to pay out is different. And if you have to navigate and handle all of that yourself, especially for English as your second language, it can be very, very difficult okay so if you've got an advisor that you're working with all you need to say is this happened help and they can help you complete the claim forms and they can be your advocate to fight for you on your behalf to get the insurance company to pay out the money that sounds very helpful doesn't it yeah sometimes the insurance policies that these that we get by working with advisors are more expensive not because you're working with an advisor but because the policy wording is better okay and they pay out more often the important the the point of insurance is to pay a premium to transfer the risk from you to the company the insurance company so that they pay out when something happens okay Personal risk insurance. So this is what we were talking about before. If something happens to you, making sure that you've got the ability to carry on staying in the house because you can afford to make the payments on the loans that you have. And um, if something happens, you know, severe happens to you and you, you do pass on, that your estate or the rest of the family can stay in the house until such time as everything is sorted out. Lending advice. Yes, you can go to the bank. There's some new rules that are coming in that's gonna make it more and more complicated even going into the bank. Um, So having somebody to help you understand what you're doing and why you're doing it is um, more important, okay? So sure, the bank can get you the money, but a financial advisor can tell you which bank is gonna be the best bank for you depending on your spending habits. So if you're a spender, then um, we don't want you having a revolving credit, we don't want you having certain types of loans. But if you're a saver, then we still don't necessarily want to revolve in credit, but we might want a, a total money or an offset facility because that reduces our interest. It gets quite complicated when we talk about finance. That's why it's a whole topic on its own. But working with a financial advisor um, like myself, we can help make sure you're getting the right support and advice to help you through the process. We're buying a property on the property is not just the land, there's the house. Okay, That house or the building needs to be inspected to make sure there are no hidden problems. Is it a leaky home? Is it, uh, so is it weather tight, so no water's coming in? Has there been some structural damage from an earthquake? Uh, is there a condensation or um, water issues because of there's no ventilation? Is there insulation in the in the in the ceiling in the, in the floor to um, to make sure that it's it's warm? Is it a healthy home okay Do the powerpoints work? Are the weatherboards rotten okay Is the cladding good? Is there any maintenance that needs to be performed on the house okay You may want the building inspection done for your purposes, but more and more the banks and the insurance companies want a building inspection to prove that the house is in a good state when they're taking on that risk or taking on that loan. We work with the council to get a LIM report, Land Information Memorandum. There's also uh, the property envelope that you can get from the council, and a, P- a PIM report, proper, property information memorandum. So that tells you about the building itself as opposed to just the land. The LIM will tell you about hazards on the uh, that are within the vicinity. It will talk about what's happening in the district plan that may affect your house. Is there a motorway about to come within 100 metres of your house? Um, are there houses that are designated for demolition um, because there's new roading going in? Is there a new park going in, a new library, a new water sewer system? Um, who knows? Okay. It will tell you those sorts of things. The council records also have information about hazards, uh, whether it be in the tsunami zone, whether it be about the um, type of land um, It is, whether it's TC1, TC2 or TC3. How much is a house worth? And who dictates how much a house is worth? Willing buyer and willing seller. If you've got an unrealistic seller and they want a million dollars for a $200,000 property because that's all the, the buyer is prepared to pay for it, then we don't have market value, do we? Okay, it's only when the buyer is willing to pay something and the vendor is or the owner is willing to accept it that we actually have a true value. And that happens at the time that we purchase the property. However, if you are making an offer on a property and you are the, as the purchaser, offer a million dollars and the house is only worth 500,000, and the bank only thinks that the house is worth five hundred thousand based on other similar properties in the area, then the bank is not going to give you the extra five hundred thousand if the property is only worth five hundred thousand as opposed to a million okay so even though the vendor would be happy to accept the million dollars, you may not be able to get the finance on that million dollars okay so Valuations is a, whole, is a whole topic in itself, and the way that they work out the value on a property is, um, is quite a complicated process, but it's all about highest and best use. Okay? Uh, if the property could be subdivided, it may have additional opportunity value. If it's just a, a house and does, um, it can't be subdivided, then it may, it's, only, it's good for um, a home, Um, Whereas I could rent it out as a room by room as an investment property, and that may give me more value. But the highest and best use would be the way that it's, it's valued. If it's more likely to sell as a home, then that's the way that the bank is going to want it valued. Complicated topics. We're skimming across the top. The thing is that when you go through the process, um, most banks now use the panel of valuers through CoreLogic or Velocity, and your um, either your bank will handle that for you or your mortgage advisor will handle that for you. Okay, and they'll talk you through when you need to get a valuation or whether you don't. If you've got a deposit of more than 20%, you may not need a valuation. So
0: um, when you select a valuer, uh, does the bank has got to recommend
1: a oh, little You can pick No, so some banks. Um, so the question is, can you choose your own valuer, or um, do the banks tell you who you have to use? So the banks have what they call a panel of valuers. So a list of people that have got the valuation uh, degree, and they will, um, uh, and they know uh, they value to a standard and provide reports that the banks. Find acceptable so um, we used to be able to go and choose our own value and go and get a valuation in and then take it to the bank now what happens is we do the application and the bank says yes with a valuation and that you have to use their panel of valuers so there's two main companies that do um, that manage valuers uh, who are independent or through different companies and um, that's Velocity or core logic. So some some banks use Core Logic, and some banks use Velocity, and some u- banks use both, and some banks don't care. So again, that's why a mortgage advisor is going to tell you what's the best way to do it. So don't go out and buy a valuation because it may not be acceptable to the bank. Uh, it must have gone through the the vetting system um, that, that that works for them. So great question. If you're buying the property and it's a home and income or it's an investment property, then I highly recommend having a property manager because the uh, tenancy laws are changing frequently and it's quite complicated. So um, having a property manager to manage the rental component is is recommended to make sure you're staying up to date with the, the rental laws. If you're not staying up to date with the rental laws and you're not keeping your home up to healthy home standards, there's quite significant penalties there that the tenants can benefit from. We need a lawyer. Because when we buy a property, what are we actually buying? We think we're buying the keys. We think we're buying the house. But actually we're buying the land. So what happens is we need that land, the land comes with a house often, uh, so it can come bare land, vacant lot. We're buying the land and what we need to do is we need to get our name registered on the title of the land, or the entity that is buying it. So by entity, you could be buying it in a trust or uh, in in a company, okay, or as individuals. The lawyer needs to check that the title has no Encumbrances is the the technical term, but what I'm going to translate that to is uh, any um, any holds on or conditions which um, which relate to the land. Okay, so sometimes there's an encumbrance that there's a right of way through a property for um, the council to manage uh, sewer or stormwater. Okay. Um, they're looking to see that there's no caveats on the property which means that somebody else has got an interest in the property and that you can't actually take ownership of the title without releasing that caveat that somebody else or the interest that somebody else has okay there's lots of different things that you need to be aware of there are lots of different title types there's a fee simple which is just a, a, a piece of land which is the easiest sort You've got cross-lease where you have one piece of land which has been split into two and you have exclusive use of one part and a shared use of a common area and um, somebody else has an exclusive use of the other part of the, of the land. Okay? There's the strata titles where you, it's talking about levels of buildings. There's unit titles where you might have part of an apartment block. Um, there's company shares, there's lots of different title types and you'll need a lawyer to help you understand what your title is and any of the the encumbrances or or covenants on the the title. A covenant is where you've got, um, uh, there's been a new subdivision that's been rolled out and uh, there's certain things that you can or cannot do in that area. Um, and I own a property in Wellington and in Pareroa and uh, in that area, it was a new subdivision, they do not allow anybody to have any signage on the, fence, on the fences and they don't allow um, advertising vehicles to be parked in driveways, they have to go into the garage, they didn't want it being tacky so they wanted to make sure that don't. There's all sorts of, there's some, some covenants say that you can't have a front fence. Some of them say that you can't have a fence over a certain height. Some of them tell you uh, that you're not allowed to have um, sheds at the front of the property, they've got to be at the back. All sorts of different things. Some of them have planting requirements. So what is going to help you understand that. You may need advice from an accountant. If you're um, self-employed or running a business and you're buying a property, then you may need the accounting advice to make sure that you can afford it. Although a mortgage advisor is gonna help you do that as well, but we're gonna need your financial statements from your accountant to help us to get the funding. If you're buying an investment property, now more than ever, it's becoming a bigger requirement to have an accountant help you evaluate that property as an investment because depending on whether it's a new property or a property that you have purchased after the 27th of March 2021, then there are different tax rules. Okay, If you're buying a new house um, after 27th of March 2021, the new tax rules will, um, uh, will will apply, but you may be able to use some of the interest as a tax deduction, but some of them um, you can't. And of course those wonderful people movers, because moving the fridge and the couch and everything like that is very heavy and it's always good to have help when you're shifting. Okay. Okay, so deposits and finance. Again I'm going to talk a little bit more about the finance but again this is a big topic and I'm going to go into it in more depth um, with you soon. But not tonight. So finance, we need the deposit. So what is the deposit? This is the money that we put into the property uh, and we get the rest of the money from the bank. Okay, And we're not talking about mum and dad bank, we're talking about a, a, a proper lending institution. And there's all sorts of different um, banks or finance companies that we can get money from. The deposit may be made up of money that you have saved. It may be made up of uh, money that you have been gifted by the bank of mum and dad. It may be money that you've been gifted by a brother or another relative or a friend. But it needs to be a true gift. In other words... They can't say, um, I'd like it back now. They can't charge interest, they can't request the money back, they can't request payments on the money. You can use your KiwiSaver if you've been in KiwiSaver for three years and been contributing, um, and you must live in the house for a minimum of six months. Okay. First home grant, this is becoming harder and harder to get, but it's free money from the government to help towards the purchase of the house. The Kiwi Saver and the first home grant are only to be used for the purchase of the property. They can't be used for the building inspection or for your lawyer fees or anything like that. And the first home grant is dependent on the value of the property that you're buying and how much income you are earning. So whether you're earning um, more than 85000 as a single person or as a couple if you're earning more than $150,000 um, is going to determine whether you can qualify for the first home grant. Again, there's other special criteria that we'll talk about in our next session. Savings. So the banks want you to have that extra 5% outside of KiwiSaver. So we talked about this earlier on. What they're looking for is to see that you can actually manage your money and that as interest rates go up or if you get a sudden cost for um, the hot water cylinder blowing or or, or breaking down or, um, uh, I don't know, you need to put some additional insulation in the property, whatever the maintenance may be, you need to paint the outside, you need to replace the roof, that you're able to save towards these things and you're not reliant on the capital gains to be able to finance it because you still need to be able to service that additional money um, if you are going to access it. We need to make sure that we've got income to service the debt. So we're going to talk about this when we talk about finance in more detail, but if you owe a lot of money for credit cards, personal loans, um, consumer finance, buy now, pay later, like after pay, zip pay and that sort of thing, they all count in terms of where your money is going and how much money you've got available for servicing the debt. The number of children you have also and how many people that you are supporting within your household also comes into account. And with the new uh, legislation that's coming through under the Credit Contracts and Consumer Finance Act, the banks are looking more and more about where you're using your money and how you're using your money. The banks will look at your credit history. So have you been paying your bills on time? So you don't need to go and get a credit card to improve your credit history. And we talked about this when we did spending plans. Okay. Every, if you've got a, a, a mobile phone or a landline or internet or um, a, a utility bill like um, power in your name, if you have done a lay-by, if you've done anything where you're spending money, then you get a credit score. Okay? The only time, if you, if you pay everything in cash, you won't have a credit history. Because okay? nobody takes your name when, they, when you pay the cash. Um, but it's quite easy to get a credit history without having a credit card so you don't need to get a credit card to, to do that. Money for checking on the property, so doing the due diligence okay So that's the money for the building reports, getting the limb report, lawyers fees, valuation and moving costs. So if we start to talk about some how much do some of these things cost? A building report could cost anywhere between 600, to a thousand dollars depending on how complicated your property is. A limb report is typically between 300 and, and 450 um, and there's lots of other reports that you can get um, like the PIM report which talks about the property envelope itself which talks about the um, work that's been done on the property. Lawyers, well they're not cheap, uh, however they could save you thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars, if you get it wrong. Okay, so you want to make sure that you've got a good property lawyer, not just um, somebody that dabbles in, in in commercial law. You want to make sure, sure you've got a good property lawyer, especially if you're doing a construction build. Um, lawyers cost anywhere from twelve hundred for a simple um, property transaction through to two and a half thousand for a complicated one if you've got trusts and things like that involved. Um, Valuations. We used to pay for a valuation around 450. Um, These days we could pay anywhere from 600 to 1500. It depends on when you want it, how urgent you want it and um, the type of property it is and whether the valuers are available. And if you want it urgent, like really quick turnaround, Then you can add an extra couple of hundred dollars for uh, an urgent fee. Moving costs depends on how far you're moving, um, whether you're going into island or into country, Um, but you know, depends on whether you're doing it yourself or needing needing help with doing it. So, the deposit. If we're accessing our KiwiSaver, we can with and we've belonged to KiwiSaver for more than three years and that we've been contributing into our KiwiSaver over for four, contributing for 3 years then we can withdraw everything apart from $1000 the rule this rule has been set up so that we still have some money in our KiwiSaver so that our fund can keep growing again once we've with, with, we have withdrawn the money to buy the house okay there are some circumstances where um, you might have owned a house previously um, but you don't own a house now for whatever reason and when you bought your house the first time round, um, you didn't use KiwiSaver because KiwiSaver wasn't around. You may under that rule, under those circumstances use the second chance rule to help you buy your house by using your KiwiSaver Okay, and we can help you navigate that process or a financial advisor can help you navigate that process. So, if you had $13,000 in your KiwiSaver and we were eligible to withdraw our money, then we could withdraw $12,000 towards our deposit of our house. If we use our KiwiSaver, the money must be used towards the deposit and we uh, must live in the house for at least six months. The first six months. After that, you can move out and do whatever you like. The whole point of using our KiwiSaver to help us buy a home, is that we have a home that we live in. First home grant, so Kainga Aura um, provides access to the first home grant, and if we buy an existing house, so what we mean by an existing house is there's a piece of land with a building already on it, that we can move into. Okay, If we have belonged to KiwiSaver and been contributing for three years, then we can get uh, a free, um, if we qualify on the income and the, the, um, and the other criteria, then we can um, get access to $3,000 for free, so we get a gift from the government to help us purchase the house. If we've been in KiwiSaver and we qualify and meet the criteria uh, for five years, then we can get $5,000 towards buying that existing house if we are looking to buy a new property and get it constructed then we get five thousand dollars if we've been in there for uh, in KiwiSaver for three years uh, up to ten thousand if we've belonged and been contributing for five years okay you have to have contributed a minimum of three percent of your income for a minimum of 36 months okay there's a whole lot of other criteria that are involved and we've got the income thresholds where, um, depending on whether you're buying as a single person or as a couple, if there's three of you, you've got three friends that are buying a house, then or um, you're, you've got three siblings that are buying a house together um, because they still get on, uh, which is great, then you've got the uh, opportunity there, but the maximum income of all three of them needs to be a maximum at 150000 Okay, so you may get more deposit together through your KiwiSaver access, but you may not no longer qualify for the first home grant. There are capital values where, um, so the value of the house that you're buying is also capped. So in Christchurch, let me just check the numbers again. In Christchurch, if we're buying a house in Christchurch, the maximum value that we can. Purchase a property for and still qualify for getting the um, first home grant is five hundred thousand for an existing home, or five hundred and fifty thousand for a new build. With land being closer to three hundred thousand, it's um, three fifty for buying land. The chances of you buying uh, building a house for two hundred and fifty thousand is um, is very slim. So that. The chances of getting first home grants um, in Christchurch are starting to to wane, but there are still opportunities for for doing it. There's some areas where you still qualify for the first home grant. Okay, again, it can only be used for the um, for the deposit, and if you buy an existing house, and that house has more than five um, uh, five thousand dollars worth of maintenance that needs to be done on it. So it might have a leaky window, or it might need a section of the roof replaced, or it might have um, um, some damp areas that need to have some maintenance done on it. If there's more than $5,000 worth of maintenance to do on the property, it might be the guttering just needs to be replaced. If there's any more than $5,000, then um, we may not qualify for the first-home grant if we are in the high level of lending. If we're under 80%, then it shouldn't be a problem. But if we're over that, then they, they do have some restrictions there. One of the problems that, um, has been, uh, that, that they've had recently is that people have been buying houses with, um, and getting the finance. And they've been using their first home grant towards the construction of their, the, the building. The building costs have been going up, the time has taken more and there have been variations in terms of the prices. Even though they started with a fixed term contract and a fixed price contract, in all of those contracts there's clauses where uh, there's a variation ability um, for them to to increase the prices. And we've got people, first home buyers, that have been using the $20,000 free uh, first home grant but the variations in the price increase of the materials has taken the value of the build up over, in Auckland, the 600000 and so they no longer qualify for the first home grant. So they go to settle on the property, and suddenly they don't get the first home grant, and the money is withdrawn, and so they're $20,000 short on their build. It's a minefield buying a house. So you need to make sure that you've got everything sorted out. Savings. So we must need to, sh- we need to show that we've got savings outside a KiwiSaver. So we could have the savings in a um, bank account, we could have it in a term deposit and be regularly putting money into uh, a unit trust. There's all sorts of different ways that we can have the savings. It doesn't have to just be in a straight bank account earning next to no interest. We can put it into some other sorts of funds to earn as long as they can see the money going regularly and that money is growing. Gifts, so genuine cash gifts from family. So we're not talking about um, proceeds from um, gambling or other um, uh, mischievous deeds. We're talking about cash that's come from family where they've got equity or um, savings that they're sharing within the family um, to help towards it. There has to be a... uh, they need to sign a declaration that it is a, a gift and that there's no interest, no repayment, and and it is required or expected. Okay, Sometimes the banks like to know where that money has come from um, and whether the money's come from a sale of a, a house overseas or, or within New Zealand. They want to know, and that's all about meeting the Anti-Money Laundering Counter-Finance Terrorism Act rules. You can have personal loans or family loans where repayment is required, uh, regardless of the interest rate. But the banks will then include that in their lending criteria, okay, and make sure that you can continue to service that loan as well as anything else. Okay. The ideal deposit is a hundred percent, but um, from a bank's perspective, any lending under eighty percent is is good. So they want you to have some good skin in the game. So some of your money um, in the property, so that if there's any risk, your funds are just as at risk as theirs. Okay. So 20% is the magic deposit number that the banks look at. Uh, anything if we borrow anything over 80%, they have low equity margins and low equity fees that you may may pay. Sometimes they're one off. If we only have a five to de- Five percent deposit, then um, we can get a, a welcome home loan through Kainga Ora. Um But again, the property has to be in very good condition for us to be able to do that.
0: Can you take a loan to buy a house that's on the level of project? It's not built yet. Yes. it's about this five
1: so, to ten thousand. So that's the so you can get a construction loan. Yeah, okay. uh, um, and uh, for for a new build. So uh, if you just yeah. to use your Kiwi Saver and, your, and to, to qualify for the first home grant the key phrase here is home if you think you okay let's go and buy some land because I can start paying off the land and then when I'm ready I'll go and get a build contract and build a house Uh, uh-uh, no longer qualify for the first home grant because you've owned land so when you, to qualify for the first home grant and for, to be able to use your KiwiSaver, you have to have a building that you're going to live in, okay? So if we are wanting to buy some land and build, we have to buy the land and get the build contract all at the same time. And we don't pay for the land until um, we've got the build contract that we signed off on settling on as well.
0: Okay. I'm more more interested in, for example, this house, the townhouses. There are three or four buildings stuck together. Mm-hmm. So one for something that's one only apartment. Yeah, so
1: that'll be a different type of title. It may be uh, body corporate or it could be a fee simple.
0: But you, as a financial advisor, can, can assist we can, that. We can. We can.
1: Yeah, absolutely, okay. absolutely. So whether the house, whether you're buying a, a, a an apartment. Uh, which is up three stories, well, not so much in, in, in Christchurch, but up three stories and it's just a little corner of the, the building, or whether it's a series of buildings that are, that are joined, whether they're back to back houses, whether they're, yeah, that does, as long as there's land, and, and um, then we can assist you with getting the finance. We can even help you getting finance even if there's no land involved, um, but obviously not for purchasing a house. Did there are eliminations, like how much money you can get from your families? No. Well, there's a limitation in terms of how much they have. Okay. <laughs> so just to clarify that, is there a limitation of how much money you can get from your family? And um, the answer is no, it depends on how much money they've got available and accessible for you to, to use. There's a lot of parents that help kids into their, into their homes. Um, and um, that's really just so that they've got a place to go and, and be looked after when they um, no longer are in their in their home. But yeah, good questions. Uh, when we were talking about the deposit and we, we were mentioning a gift mm. from someone, mm. like how much can be that gift to to for you to be considered like a genuine buyer able to then to repay the mortgage? OK, so um, the question is, um, if we're talking about a gift, how much can we consider a gift to be and how does that affect the mortgage? So um, I've had clients that have been gifted uh, 250000 from parents um, because they had an inheritance that was due and they just paid out the inheritance early because the parents wanted them to be able to see and enjoy, enjoy it. Um, their uh, their grandparent, the the person that was buying, uh, had just passed away and they'd left a lot of money to the to their parents and their parents just passed that money directly through to the to the kids to to purchase the house. That was a significant amount of money so um, we're looking at anything over ten thousand dollars. we really need to know what the source of the money is and that it's actually feasible for that money to have come through natural means uh, and uh, legitimate means. Um, but for a sum that size, we wanted to see the sale and purchase and we wanted to see the gift, the legal gifting documents there because we wanted to make sure that the parents understood what they were doing. If it's a gift of, um, you know, between 20 and, and, and 50,000, then um, we can just do a standard gift certificate. Um, you don't necessarily need a lawyer to do it, but the person who's signing it should be seeking legal advice for the gifting that they're doing because it may have impacts for them later on down the down the track. There's no gift duty in New Zealand, um, but there are uh, implications of gifting for uh, elderly uh, in terms of rest home fees and, and that sort of thing. So they should seek the legal advice. It's not so much the, the child that's receiving it and getting the windfall. So the, the thing is, a genuine gift is money that there's, is not going to be called back. So it's about handing over the DOSH and having no expectation that it's coming back, no interest, no repayment. They can't change their mind. Okay. It's all about if, um, let's say, uh, mum and dad could afford to give you $20,000. So they give you a $20,000 gift, but you've got three or four other siblings, and they can't afford to give you the $100,000 that they've got, without taking into consideration the, the other siblings. So your share is $20,000, let us say. So, um, but the other siblings don't need the money for anything, and mum and dad don't need the money for a while. So what they might do is uh, give you a gift of $20,000, and then say, here's an extra 40000 it really belongs to your brothers and, and sister, um, but here's another forty thousand, and you can have this at a small interest rate, or no interest, but it needs to be repaid when we need it to be repaid, and we'll give you two years before that's, you know, so then we would need to take that into account when we're doing the servicing calculations. Okay. So we own a house. We're responsible for the leaky tap, we're responsible for painting it, we're responsible for making sure that the place remains weathertight. Costs on a house for maintaining it may be nothing in the first year because somebody's done a whole bunch of maintenance before they sold you the house. It could be they didn't do all the maintenance and you buy it and it needs to be painted and you've got a bargain. Are you able to paint it? So you just need to buy the paint, the scaffolding and the materials for doing the preparation and painting it? Or are you going to need somebody else to paint it? Does it need scaffolding to meet health and safety regulations? Depending on the type of maintenance, we should be setting aside and thinking about having around about 5% of the house value towards maintenance on our property on a regular basis and the moment I say that most people go no way I never spend that much money on the property and then they need to replace the roof and they've got no money set aside in savings for replacing that roof so then they go back to the bank and say please please Mr Bank Manager can I please um, borrow some more money um, because I need to repair and replace the roof okay the bank will say yes or no depending on whether you've got the ability, whether you've been meeting your payments, whether you've been paying your debt down on time, and whether you can continue to service the loan if we add extra money to the loan. They want to know how old you are. So if you're nearing retirement, are you still going to be working and being able to service all the loans that you've got, or have you got access to KiwiSaver that's going to be able to repay it? Okay. Okay. So maintenance cost depends on the type of property, um, you know, whether it's brick and brick and tile roof, which is low maintenance um, and low cost for, for, for maintaining, or whether it's weatherboard and um, tin roof, which needs more maintenance work done on it. Rates. Rates the is the brief term. Uh, it's a council levy. And what it does is every council has a local council and then we have the district or environment, Canterbury and Christchurch District Council. What the local council does is they provide the water, sewage uh, systems, they provide the libraries, they provide the art galleries, they provide um, local uh, event management for things that happen in the city, they... We pay for the councillors. We um, uh, provide the council facilities for managing our services. We pay for having the city planners um, that look after us and do things. We've got the um, uh, water there's a lot of things that they're doing then you've got the environment council um uh, environment Canterbury, and they look after the water and the air quality and any of the things that relate to the environment and the land use okay and buses, and buses yep regional transport so um so all of our rates go to paying for these things and maintaining the roads that aren't part of the um, uh, Waka tahi um, purview so the motorways and that sort of thing so they're all the council requirements people hate rates but then because it feels like it's a big expense right the thing is that those rates are providing those services and uh, rates throughout New Zealand have been underfunded for such a long time that the councils are not have not been performing maintenance on the stormwaters, um, they've not been increasing the facilities for the sewage systems, and so there's a lot of um, costs that are coming our way because of the underfunding in, in our infrastructure requirements. So uh, while we're all complaining about the cost of our rates, um, we also uh, like to complain about the fact that the council's not doing enough to uh, fix the potholes in our street or um, providing proper storm water or facilities. Um, in Christchurch we've got the, 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 the riverways that need to be maintained to make sure that we don't have flooding flooding issues. And so there's a lot for these councils to do. So um, love them, hate them, they're a cost. According to history or your memory, the rate- has ever been reduced? <laughs> so that's a great question. So the question is: uh, From what I know and in my history, historical knowledge of rates, have they ever been reduced? Um, I don't believe so. But um, they uh, have had times where the rates have been put on hold because the council hasn't been providing some of the services. Um, they have uh, rate rebates for um, the elderly to help them stay in their homes. Um, but the chances of rates going down is, um, I would say, slim to no chance. Um, <laughs> But okay, we can always be hopeful <laughs> you know the rate uh, every year is very uh, more than five percent to add up and if the, the the rate going up is more faster than the inflation rate uh okay so um it's it's it depends it it's a, in auckland it's worse um because the um the the level of the infrastructure that they need to be uh, providing and maintaining and the work that they need to be doing across the Auckland region is, is so high. So the way that they set the rates is based on the value of your property. So your land and your buildings make up the value and then they determine how much rates you are, you pay. There's different rates for commercial and industrial and uh, residential, okay? So um, if you... Uh, say every three years, the council will go through and value all the properties, and then um, they'll set their rate levies based on the value of the properties in their region. Okay, so if your property goes up by two hundred and fifty thousand, your rates in three years' time are going to go up quite substantially. So here's the here's the challenge: Do we complain about the rateable value so that we pay less rates? what happened in uh, 2011 when the earthquakes hit. And there were all those buildings and properties that were red zoned and the government and the council bought the land and the buildings and they bought them at the rateable value. So if you've been complaining about your property value um, to keep your rates low, um, you were paid out a low amount. So the savings that you've been making, a small amount of savings you've been making on your rates um, backfired for you. If you had a valuation that proved that there'd been capital improvements and the property was worth that, uh, a substantial amount more, then you were able to, to prove that. It's, um, there's no easy way for them to uh, determine how to split it. Um, the councils do the best that they can to try and make it as fair as possible. Um, the councils also provide services like um, uh, heating grants and and insulation grants for low income earners to help them get get their properties warmer um, for homeowners where they're not renting. So, yeah, those so, so are good good questions. Yeah, yeah. Um, house insurance. So house insurance is, uh, if we have a mortgage, we're not going to get the mortgage um, unless we have the insurance in place. If we cancel insurance and the bank finds out about it, then um, they'll cancel the mortgage and you need to repay it back. If we get behind in our rates, the bank may pay the rates and then they will charge you a fee for that. And if we get too far behind, they may actually call the loan and make you sell the property as well okay house insurance there are different types of house insurance um, there used to be a, a value um, some insured uh, now um, that has mostly gone out the window and most policies now are a replacement and that includes the cost of demolishing the building clearing the site so that they can build a new Property. So they learnt a lot with the Christchurch quakes um, and the ways that the things that they needed to do to improve that improve that process. Again, we talked about earlier on using a a, a general risk advisor to help you get the right insurance. And if there is something going on um, and you need to make a claim, to um, understand how to do that. The type of house insurance that you get, there are different what they call excess. So if there is an event, and then you might pay five hundred dollars uh, towards the the cost of the repair, uh, and then the insurance company will pay the rest. Okay, that might mean that your um, your insurances you know has, has cost you three thousand dollars a year, or you might set a some excess sum of thousand dollars, and then your insurance comes down to two and a half thousand dollars a year okay so there's things that you can do or little levers as we like to call them that you can pull to make it more affordable for you some areas and some houses are uninsurable so you need to be aware of that if it's in a floodplain, you might get fire cover but you won't get flooding cover uh, because as a riverbank is is constantly flooding Okay. whether it's something beyond your control or not or it's one of those uh, 1 in 50 year events that happens every second year at the moment um, it's uh, due to climate change you know, a, if it's in a flood zone and it may or may not um, be insurable for that fact. there's some houses in, um, in Wellington and in the Hutt Valley that are right on the fault lines um, that uh, have no, no earthquake cover over certain things, so house insurance is is important. Um, you also need to consider if there's any retaining walls on the property or any decks. And there's um, cool little calculators that you can use to help you work out what you should be insuring. You don't insure the land. You insure the building, so the clearing of the building, uh, to, and to put the, and, and preparation of the of the land for putting your building on. Cool. All right, while we're talking about house insurance, so um, the house insurance is um, the insurance that you've got for the house and the building itself. Um, You also have contents insurance for the chattels and the things inside. So what they call a chattel is the the blinds, the carpet, uh, a stove, anything that could potentially be unscrewed and removed. And is not part of the actual building. So walls, part of the building, plumbing, part of the building, electrical part of the building. Okay. Anything that can be unscrewed, not normally doors, um, but anything that is um, that can be removed. So stoves typically can be removed This okay. furniture is a is not a chattel, uh, it's a content. It's included in the content insurance. It's, it's included in contents, okay? So a stove can be included in the contents insurance as part if it's a removable stove, but if you've got a um, a stove that is in a under underbench oven type thing, then that um, may be part of the, the actual house insurance. But dishwashers and things like that are typically part of the contents insurance, okay? There's chattels from a sale and purchase agreement perspective and then there's chattels from a insurance perspective. So depending on which hat you've got on as to which way the item may be being looked at. Landlord insurance. So you own an investment property and there's a fire and the tenants have to move out while the fire damage is repaired. Who's responsible for providing accommodation for the tenants? The landlord is so until such time as you negotiate out of the lease or anything like that so having um, landlord insurance to cover costs like that is important um, and it helps protect from bad bad tenants as well uh, if uh, tenants uh, cause malicious, malicious damage so they intentionally go and do vandalism then um, what you want to make sure is that your tenants have uh, insurance contents cover because that gives them some liability cover but if they damage the property and uh, by doing an unlawful unlawful act they, their insurance won't pay out anyway but it becomes your insurance company's problem and not your problem so anything we can do to make somebody else's problem and not ours because we've got that protection in place is what we want to do okay by that what we mean, as we want that other person's problem to solve our problem. <laughs> Are these all three uh, insurance compulsory? So, house insurance is compulsory, um, and they, um, from the bank perspective, they want to make sure that the contents is covered as well. Landlord insurance is not compulsory, and you don't have landlord insurance if if you're living in the property. Yep. Recommended. But again, um, a lot of us walk around without any personal risk insurance and um, at any stage we could have a heart attack, get hit by a bus or whatever and um, find ourselves unable to earn an income or um, and be reliant on the government and we are playing Russian roulette every day. Financial Russian roulette. <laughs> So personal insurance, so um, we've talked about this already earlier on in the evening, um, making sure that you've got enough money. So when we're talking about personal risk insurance, let's say you've got a mortgage of $500,000. Um, you may not need to get all 500000 paid off if you die or if something happens. What you want to do is pay down enough of the debt to um, give yourself some options and to buy some time. Okay? You don't, you, the money that you've got from the insurance doesn't have to go on to repaying the debt it could sit there as a lump sum that then gets stripped out to pay the rates and the mortgage and, and anything in preparation for you selling and moving if something happens to you in that house and your family support is in another town are you going to want to stay here anyway if the reason why you were here is no longer required do you want to move closer to family? So you want to have options. So personal risk insurances, they just give you options. If you're not working, they can, you can get a mortgage and insurance um, cover, different to income cover. And really what you're wanting to do is to give yourself options, okay, uh, and have some sort of choice. Because the last thing you want to do is to find yourself dealing with a, a health event or a family um, a death in the family and having to suddenly uh, worry about preparing the house and putting it on the market while you're in the middle of grieving or, or, or dealing with that um, health event. Um, there's other sorts of personal risk insurance, so special events insurance, um, which can help by paying out um, for injuries or illness, um, trauma trauma cover. Uh, total Permanent Disabilities There's all sorts of different covers out there Working with the right insurance advisor To help you get the right cover It's not about insuring absolutely everything So that you're going to be multi-millionaires It's about Because um, nobody can ever afford that level of in- in- insurance And if they can, why bother um, But it's about giving you some sort of choice And uh, maintaining some level of your of your lifestyle So We've checked out that the land is not in a tsunami zone. We've checked out the land is uh, TC1, TC2, TC3. We checked out whether the land is in a flood zone and there's lots of properties within Christchurch that are in flood zones. Does that matter? Uh, It does if the house isn't at the recommended floor level, then the water is likely to get in. If we're living in a house that's in a flood zone that does flood reasonably regularly, but our house is above where the water goes, then the question is, with rising sea levels and rising water table levels, is the house going to be in danger at some point in the future? Uh, then the question is, okay, so it floods once, uh, once a year or once every three years. Uh, when it does flood, I'm either going to be trapped in the house or I'm going to be trapped away from the house, because I can't get back unless I'm paddling. So these are things to consider. Um, So you want to understand about the land and the hazards. Understanding that sort of information will have an influence on the insurance information. Um, building inspection. So you want to check that the poles are good, that the roof is good, that it's weather tight, that the windows open and close, that all the light switches and the the power points work, that the hot water cylinder is not about to give away um, because that's between 2,000 and 4,000 depending on what sort of hot water cylinder you've got. You want to check that there's power to the rooms that you've that you need. You can do contamination reports like um uh, meth or land contamination, and you can find that some of these things out from the Hazards register or get the hail report, depending on if the property is built or um had any work done on it between the thirties through to the um, late fifties uh, early seventies. You want to check to see whether there's any asbestos. Asbestos is fine as long as it's not. Broken or uh anything needs to be drilled through, okay there were a lot of ha- houses in the quakes that had asbestos in them, and that when they did the demolition that asbestos got into the land and is contaminated to the land and it's not it's not that big a deal to deal with, but there's a process that you need to go through and if you you need to make sure that if you've got any workmen coming on site to do anything that they're aware of the hazards that relate to asbestos okay Um, it can be a point of negotiation some people don't like to do with don't want to have asbestos in their house just in case so that could mean it's harder to sell the house if there's asbestos in it earthquake repairs if applicable Um, you want to get the assignment of and this is where your lawyer will help you with the sale and purchase agreement to make sure you get this um, across uh, if there's a earthquake claim, there's been some damage to the property. You want to make sure that that is um, uh, the scope of works and any completion certificates to show that the repairs have been completed. If the owner has done the repairs themselves, then you want to see the invoices for the work that has been done. Lim report and other council reports. Um, so the land information we've talked about those. Getting a registered valuation we've talked about those. Talked about flood, tsunami and other hazards. Um, Just because the house has insurance at the moment, doesn't mean to say that you can get insurance. The insurance companies have been bound to continue on providing cover for properties that they have on their books. Um, But they may have increased the amount of um, the policy premium, maybe going up and up and up. And the moment you put the property on the market and go to sell it, they go... Yay, I don't have to in, uh, insure that property anymore. Let's make it somebody else's problem. So um, other insurance companies aren't bound to take it on, but so that could cause you a problem if there are um, defects in the house. So preparing to buy, get do your credit score and check your credit report. Make sure you've got any unpaid debts paid or any issues on your credit report um, sorted out. Work with a financial advisor if you need to. Make sure you have good account behaviour, so no overdrawn accounts, no missed payments and no late payment penalties. Okay, The banks will be looking back at least three months. Have savings outside of KiwiSaver. Repay any outstanding debt where possible, so no buy now, pay later. Um, don't worry too much about your student loan because as you're earning that's interest free loan and it just comes out of your wages, but that will uh, come through. Have a deposit, whether it's KiwiSaver or other funds. The more you have, the better your chances. Have a spending plan and be using that plan to save and manage your money to know that you can work on the budget. Have personal risk insurance in place and review to ensure that they are suitable. There's the opportunity to join forces, so couples could be assessed together um, to help with getting finance. Um, It may help you to be able to get into a house, but we need to make sure that the house is suitable for... The two couples to be moving into. If you've both got, you know, two kids, have we got enough bedrooms for everybody t- to be in the house? Go through a quick a- a example. Um, depending on your deposit, although we're really out of time, um, we could have a house. If we the house is worth four hundred thousand, and we were borrowing up to eighty percent, then we get a mortgage of three hundred and twenty. Assuming we could service it. Means that means we need uh, eighty thousand deposit for borrowing at twenty percent. If we only had sixty thousand dollars worth of savings, then we would need a loan of three hundred and forty thousand. If we had forty thousand, then we would get a, a mortgage of three hundred and sixty, assuming that we can service it. It's getting harder and harder to find houses at four hundred thousand. This was an example for a house I was doing. And 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 and. Oh, so this was I made this last made this last year, but this was for a presentation in Invercargill. No, no. So yeah, so the, just using that as an example. So I've got um, here of how somebody might pull together their deposit. So I've got person one, person two. Person one has five hundred dollars of cash. Person two has five thousand dollars of cash. Person one has five thousand gifted to them from their from their mum. Uh, The KiwiSaver, um, person one has $13,456 and person two has $36,254. Person two, um, even though they've got more money in their KiwiSaver, they've only been in it for three years but they're on a better income uh, and they've been doing 10%. Uh, so they've only got $3,000 for the first home grant, and the second person has been in it for longer, but they've clearly not been working as much. Um, so they've got $5,000 for their first home grant. All in all, the, the couple have 68210 towards their deposit. Okay, They're going to need some of that cash that they've got there, potentially, to help pay for moving costs, lawyers, due diligence, valuations, and that sort of thing. So assuming that this is the money that they've got towards a, a house, if they were using it towards uh, as a 20% deposit because they didn't want to pay the low equity margins, then the maximum house value that they could get would be 341000 So at this point they go, I can't find a house for that. So they go back to the drawing board and get back into saving. Um, so yeah. It depends. Sometimes we want to do things faster than we than we can.
0: This is a two people.
1: There's two people situation. We're getting one house. One house, yeah. A couple. So, oh, two persons can also get the first whole grant. Yes. You get it each. Oh. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. We're gonna talk more about that next time. <laughs> okay. Median house prices. This was in July 2021, so not too distant ago. Although they've moved again since then, Um, the the little map here is quite small. But things that uh, we need to know is that the national median house price. So median is the middle value of the number of properties that have sold. It's not the average. So if you've got a four million dollar property, that would skew the average price, right? So that's why we use the middle number in the price or median. So um, the median national house price in July this year was $826,000. If we're talking Christchurch, the median price is $595,000. Okay, Definitely everything's still on the upward trend. There's some places regionally where the properties are stagnating. There's some places where the properties are still going up in value. Okay, demand is still too high. Um, We had 165 migrants welcomed to New Zealand to become permanent residents uh, over the next wee while. They're all been sitting there waiting for their permanent residency to come through to buy a house. Saving, saving, saving. They're not in KiwiSaver, they've got the cash there. Boom, away they go, all right? So the demand for housing is not gonna change. Um, yeah even though we've got the borders locked okay so prepare to purchase your first time talk to a financial advisor work out what you can afford get your credit sorted um, save for your deposit and prepare your KiwiSaver get your personal risk covers in place think about what you want three bedrooms garage separate toilet think about where you want to live start re- researching properties and see what you can afford matches where you want to live check out the properties and build your team And that was a lot of information, and we have clearly just skimmed across the surface. Thank you.
0: You've been listening to Elise Vine, financial advisor from Building on Basics. Finance Made Easy is a podcast series about personal finance made with funding from the Ministry of Social Development. Podcasts are available on the Plains FM website, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts.